You're listening to a sermon from Leewood Baptist Church. For more information about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. If you have a Bible this morning, turn with me to John chapter 15. We continue our march through the Gospel of John, really on the home stretch. We'll wrap this up at the end of the summer. If you don't have a Bible, there's a pew Bible in front of you, and you can find John 15 on page 589. If you don't own a Bible and you would like one, that, those Bibles are there. They're meant to be given away. And so if you don't have a Bible, take that with you. That is our church's gift to you. Last week, we saw in John chapter 15, Jesus described himself as the true vine. He explained to his disciples that apart from him, that they could do nothing, that they needed to abide with him. They needed to remain with him. And so Jesus was explaining this. And the reason why Jesus is teaching this and explaining this to his disciples is he's getting ready to go to the cross and die for the redemption of the entire world. Jesus, of course, we know is going to be resurrected, and then Jesus is going to send these disciples out to start his church and spread the gospel to the nations. So he's reminding them that apart from them, they apart from him, they can do nothing. Jesus said in verse five, "I am the vine; you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me." And so Jesus said, and then in that down the verse 8, he said, My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So Jesus was telling his disciples, you, are, you exist to produce fruit. You exist to spread God's glory through the, earth, through the entire earth, the world, and you must abide and remain in me. So Jesus here, again, we're going to be looking at John 15, verses 9 through 17. And Jesus, again, he's instructing his disciples just before he goes to the cross to die. So let's start reading here in John 15, verses 9 through 11. He says, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Now, when we read these verses, we can understand them wrong. We can misinterpret them because so often when we read this passage, we may not fully understand our position with God because of what Jesus has done. We can read this and understand it and comprehend this passage as Jesus saying, if I obey Christ, then I am remaining in his love. But that's not what Jesus just said. What did Jesus just say? He said, first, remain in my love, then you'll obey my commands. See, there's a difference. It's not obey my commands and then you love me, but it is as you grow in your love for me, then you will obey me. There's a huge difference there. A lot of times we can think, if I obey Christ, then I am proving my love for him. That is not what Jesus is saying here. Because there's a big danger if we get this backwards, we can live with the mindset of, I have to obey Christ in order to abide in his love. Well, with that mindset, Christianity and following Jesus is going to be enslaving. 
And honestly, it's going to be suffocating. Some of us have been in those churches before that are very legalistic, that are very suffocating, where the teaching is obey Christ and prove your love. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here at all. We've been talking about this a lot lately as a faith family here in John. It's almost like God is trying to teach us something. But following Jesus is not doing. It's being. It's abiding. It's remaining. It's not busyness or a list of things or boxes that we check off in order to prove our love for Christ or to earn some kind of brownie points with God. The Christian faith, nowhere do we see in the Christian faith, the Christian faith is not do and you receive approval. It's not obey Jesus and you receive love. The Christian faith is love, so therefore you'll do. So how does this work? How does this work? What we are called to do as followers of Jesus is work on and grow in my love and your love for Jesus. And as we grow and work on our love for Jesus, then that in return will then affect our obedience and also will affect our disobedience. Sometimes we as Christians, we do this. We work on our disobedience. I'm being angry. I am doing this wrong. I have pride. I am doing these things. So therefore, I need to work on that disobedience. When really, when we think about what the disobedience is, it's loving something more than Jesus. So because we, we sin, it's simply in that moment, whenever we sin in that moment, we love something else than Jesus. And no matter the sin, what is the something that we love more than Jesus? Ourselves. We're loving ourselves. But when we grow in our love for Jesus then the natural byproduct of remaining in, in his love and growing in our love for Jesus, then the natural byproduct of this is that we are going to obey. See, we, you and I, might, we might be able to temporarily be good for a period of time, right? I think of like New Year's resolutions. My New Year, anyone remember what my New Year's resolution was this year? Because I'm not going to drink any kind of uh, soda, pop, Coke, depending on the part of the country you're from. I wasn't going to do that well. I broke it. Okay, I've broke it. You all didn't do a good job of keeping me accountable. So you didn't, you didn't uphold me in that. No, what happened was we're weak. We're weak. I love Dr. Pepper. I'm weak for Dr. Pepper. And what happens is that we try to be good, and we are good for a period of time, but what always happens is we fall off the wagon. We say, I'm going to exercise, and we do it, and then the soreness says, sets in, and I don't want to do that anymore. It doesn't feel good. Or I'm going to try a diet and it doesn't taste good. No diet tastes good. Don't tell, don't believe any of those lies. But we, we try a diet and it doesn't taste good and so we don't follow through in that. See, we can try to be good, but you and I do not possess the willpower. So what this means personally is that we have to fill our lives what, with what stirs up our love and affection for Christ. We have to fill our lives with stirs. So that could be listening to some Christian music that stirs your love and affections for Christ. 
That might be spending intentional time in His Word. That could be surrounding ourselves with friends and people that build us up and edify us to walk closer with Christ. We need to fill our lives with those things, that things that stir up our love and affection for Christ, rather than fill our lives with things that siphon off our love and affection for Christ. And we're really good at that. We're really good at filling our lives with things, maybe not even bad things, but they keep us busy and they siphon off our love for Christ. So what I would encourage us together to do as a faith family in our individual lives is let's discover together what is it that stirs up our love for Christ? What stirs up our love for Christ and then what numbs it? Then together as a faith family, let's run to that which stirs up our love and our affection for Christ And then let's begin eliminating that which takes away from it. But I love what Jesus says here in verse 11. We see what the result of remaining in his love does. Look at verse 11. He says, I told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So what is the result of remaining in the love of Christ? It's joy. And I firmly believe every one of us here in this large group, every one of us have the same need. And what is that same need? We want to be happy. We want to be happy. But what happens is, and I know this just from personal experience, is we run to so many other things to make us happy. But Jesus is saying, if you remain in my love, you grow in your love for me, then you're going to obey me. And if you do this, then you're going to experience joy. So if you're a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ, we receive joy through our love growing for him. The natural byproduct of that is joy. And if you are here this morning and you're searching for the truth, let me tell you, believing in Jesus, following him and growing in love for him leads to a joy-filled life. So if you're searching for the truth, understand that. But also understand that that doesn't mean everything is going to be easy. Not everything is going to be easy and go well and it's not going to be a smooth ride but we will experience satisfaction. We will experience security in the love of Christ. So we've got to stop running for everything that could, we could possibly find to make us happy and numb the pain in our lives, but we must believe and follow Jesus. So if you haven't believed and followed Jesus, follow, believe, and you will experience joy. Life won't go perfect for you, I can guarantee you that, but you will experience joy. Let's keep going. Let's look at verses 12 through 17. Jesus said, this is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. 
I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit, and that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. So, so far, just here in John chapter 15, what we've seen so far this week, what we've seen last week, so far Jesus has instructed his disciples to remain and abide in him. Then as they remain and abide in him, they'll remain and abide in his love. They will remain in his love, which will lead to obedience. So now Jesus takes this another step. There's almost like a progression of love, a progression of remaining and abiding here. Jesus says, now I'm going to take you a step further. Because now Jesus, as we read, Jesus is now focusing not on just their love for him, but on how they are supposed to treat each other. What did Jesus tell his disciples? Love one another as I've loved you. Jesus is saying, You are to love each other the way I have loved you. And how does this flesh out? Jesus describes this. What does this look like? If we're supposed to love one another, if the disciples are to love one another as he has loved us, how does this flesh out? What does this look like? Well, Jesus takes this to an extreme level because what does he say? No one has greater love than this. There is no greater love than this than someone who lays down his life for his friends. Why is Jesus saying this? Because he's about to do it. He's about to do it. In his death, Jesus is going to show the depth of his love and the intensity of his love. See, during this time period in the Greco-Roman world, friendship was very important. See, in our world today in 2018, we've cheapened friendship, right? We make friendship. We think just because we're friends with someone on social media, therefore I am their friend. No, you can just look at their pictures. That's all. It doesn't mean anything. But in the Greco-Roman world 2,000 years ago, friendship was very, very important. And it was commonly recognized and known that the supreme duty of friendship would involve self-sacrifice for another's friend, even to the point of death. And you can understand why this was taught in the Greco-Roman world, because the Roman Empire was the military power of that day. And so they tried to create a brotherhood within their military. And if they could create that culture, that brotherhood within their empire, then those men would be willing to die for each other. So this friendship, friendship was very important in in that world today, in that world. And so this teaching that Jesus is giving to his disciples, they're going to see this in a very tangible way because they're going to see him be crucified. They will see his death as a statement of his love for them and the entire human race. And here in John 15, Jesus is calling his disciples to the same kind of love. He's calling them to the same kind of love. He's going to demonstrate it for them, and he's calling us today to the same kind of love. 
And what kind of love is Jesus calling us to as his followers? A self-sacrificial love. That is the standard. And that's a high standard that Jesus laid out the example for us. So today, if we claim to be a Christian, then we are called to love the same sacrificial love that Jesus had for other people. This may or may not involve dying physically for the good of someone else, but it is going to involve dying to our own wants, needs, desires, and preferences. As Christians, we are going to be called to die to what we want, die to what we need, die to what we desire, die to what we prefer. Why? For the good of other people. And that is really, really hard. Why is that hard? Because our natural bent is selfishness. It is in our DNA to be selfish. But the life of someone that claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ is a person that is self-sacrificing. But what is so freeing is that this high standard is attainable. When we hear about dying to our own wants and our own needs, desires, and preferences, that sounds like an incredibly high standard, and it is, and it's attainable. It is attainable because here in John 15, Jesus has laid out this logical chain of affection. Jesus said, bear fruit. He commanded his disciples to bear fruit. And then he taught, here's how you do this. Abide. Remain in me. And then you'll bear much fruit. Then Jesus said, remain in my love. And then you will obey my commands. Then one of these commands, and it's called the greatest command, is to love one another, even to the point of death. So how does this self-sacrificial love happen? How do we get to the place in our lives where we're willing to die to everything about ourselves? How do we get to this place? By abiding in Christ. By remaining in Christ. By remaining in his love. By growing in our love and our affection for him. And then the natural byproduct of that is obedience. Obedience to the point of self-sacrifice. So the application for us today is if we claim to be a Christian, we must grow in our love and affection for Christ. Because if we are going to follow this high command of Christ of loving one another, and even to the point of giving our lives for one another, we must grow in our love for Christ. We must remain in his love. If we have to fill our, li- we have to fill our lives uh, with what stirs up our love and affection for Christ, rather than filling our lives with things that might distract us from our, life, our lives for Christ, I would encourage us discover what it is that stirs up our love for Christ and what takes away from it. If you're here this morning and you're searching for truth, the beauty of, this, of Christianity is that it's a call for all of us to put each other first, to take the low spot, 
to be willing to die for one another. And let me tell you, believing in Jesus and following him, as we believe in Jesus, you get to be in a family that's like this. It's called the church. And the church is a group of people that should be loving Christ, remaining in his love, and then dying to each other for the benefit of one another. And so if you're considering Jesus and you're searching for truth, let that motivate you to follow him. And as we follow him, as we grow in our love for him and we die to ourselves, it leads to a life that is filled with joy, a life that is filled with satisfaction. So believe, so abide and remain. Let's pray together. Jesus, you have called us to love one another. You instructed, you've instructed us that there is no greater form of love than someone that is willing to die on the behalf of their friend. And so, Jesus, we need help because our natural bent is to not to do that. And so I pray you would grow us up in our love for you. Cause us to remain in our love for you. Give us the grace and the ability to see the things in our lives that siphon off our love for you that distract us, even if they're good things, give us the ability to put those aside. Even as we talked about last week, prune out the things in our lives that take away from our love for you. Remove our pride, our self-sufficiency, and cause us to die to our own wants our own needs, desires, and preferences for the good of all people. Jesus, move us to that place. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're in the Kansas City area, we'd love to have you be our guest. We are located at 8200 State Line Road in Leewood, Kansas. Worship services are on Sunday mornings at 1030. To learn more about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com.